All right. So Brian left me, like I said, a lot of notes. I don't think we'll get through everything. Uh, we started a little bit later than we usually would. But uh, it said last week we talked about our perceptions of the rich and poor as well as blessings and abundance and that those terms, what they mean, what they, the terms mean to use. The Bible's implicit bias against the rich, how we should look at the, uh, look at the coattails of the rich for clues about whether they were enriching themselves or others, uh, it's, and others' expenses are stewarding the wealth of God is passing through them. Do they seem to enrich uh, everyone that comes into their orbit? And the Bible's ideals about blessing and abundance are more community goals than individual ones. Individual goals. Uh, so... Does anybody have any stories to share about their uh, weekly about their weekly giving this week? Were you able to give? Okay, please follow the rules. We're usually talking to group, right? <laughs> right. We have uh, our son has a friend who has a friend who. Uh, Neither has had a number of bad things happen to her health, job, family, etc. And so um, she needed a place to stay. So we uh, cleared out a room. We had downstairs and got some furniture for her. So we took her out with this last night. Well, that's she's, awesome. she's been living in her car for two weeks. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> so we have a house for us. Ah, but she's a really sweet kid. Very sweet. Huh? We don't know her joke at all. <laughs> I remember uh, Don McLaughlin is a really good friend of mine, and I never forget his daughter Amy, and I never forget the time she was talking about. Yeah, one day my mom went to the grocery store, and then she came back with a pregnant Ukrainian woman who lived in our house for two years. <laughs> and married, ended up getting married out of their house. I'm like, hold on, she went to the grocery store. I said, did she come back with grocery? She's like, yeah, she brought that back too. But she also found this woman that she brought back to the house. Uh, and, and it made me think about that when you mentioned that, that. That's what they had done. Numerous times she said her mom would go places and would come back with a new person. And that person would sometimes end up staying at their home for quite a while. And then, you know, they would help them in that moment at that time. And that was another way of them introducing Jesus to these people uh, just in their daily walk. It's always so interesting to see that. All right, so let's see. He says, while we choose our places to give individually, the other six days of the week, we try to find a single place to suggest that everyone in class give on Sunday. It could be a favorite charity or a class member. So in other words, he's saying just find someone to give something to. Um, whether it be if they ask or don't ask, you found a way to excuse me, kind of pay it forward. I believe. So this week, he talks about there are many passages that uh, talk to us about giving. And he says, the desires of our heart, you may ask for me anything in my name, and I will do it. Uh, he says that usually these types of passages and scriptures come with qualifiers, such as in Psalm 37, verse 4. Uh, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Joshua 1, 8. Keep the, this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. So it's a you do this, then this will happen to you type situation. Uh, and 
what I find interesting is a lot of times when we hear that, some people get skittish about the one when it talks about the desires of your heart, that if you take the light in the Lord, then the desires of your heart will be given to you. And some people say, well, hold on, my desires of my heart may not be what they need to be, and, you know, but then again, if you're, I guess to say, if you're uh, abiding with God, your desires might be different than they usually would be. So then he will be granting those desires that you've newly founded. Because I don't think a lot of times he grants desires that aren't focused on the way he wants things to be. Um, unless he's trying to show you something else. But God has a way of taking those desires and changing them at times. Uh, Brian put in there, the desires of my heart are not being met, therefore I must not be taken to delight in the Lord. If I delight in the Lord, the desires of my heart will be different. True. And then they'll be met. He says the heart wants what it, he says some people may say that the heart wants what it wants. I've heard that. So it really feels like sometimes you're lowering your standards. And what ends up happening is nobody ends up delighting in the Lord and nobody's heart desire is fulfilled. So, I color-coded everything. (laughs) Because so many of the founding principles of America, he says, tout the individual above community. I think that's an interesting thing he puts in this. He says, I fear we read passages like this from merely an individual standpoint. Uh, Sometimes, I think, when we read the scripture alone, uh, we do have a proclivity to interpret it alone. Um, I, I actually like involving and engaging in communal discernment of scripture where in a room like this if we read the text and start talking about what is coming out of this text uh, what we draw out because in individual settings a lot of times we can draw out things just based solely upon our experiences and our standpoint of perspectives but when you bring that same text to a community and the church itself, like early church, begins to look at it and, and uh, exegete from that text, the communal standpoint of something changes it dynamically to something you never thought about. And I think when it comes to these passages about delighting in the Lord and, and giving from a communal aspect, it really changes what it looks like, you know? Um, like a community of people who give. One thing I love about Otter Creek as a church, it's a communal community that has always loved to give of itself. There are numerous different things that have started from people giving of time, giving of resources, giving of financial donations to look at what they are today. Look at Agape. It started in a classroom at Otter Creek. You know, um, what's the other one? Living Water. Started with some people from out of Creek. And look at what it's doing today. Uh, the communal discernment and, and everything that came together and putting these things together and look at what God, how God blessed it. Um, as I could always sit in our discovery classes when we have new members and we talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, and we talk about the history of this church and we talk about Henrietta Campbell and her husband and what they did and how they gave themselves like they took J.D. Uh, Campbell's bus that he drove for, to take kids to school. He could have easily said, no, nah, that's just for taking them to school Monday through Friday. We can't use that for the Lord. But instead he said, no, nah, 
I'm going to take that bus. I'm going to pick up these kids, Henry, and you can teach them about God. You're going to teach them about Jesus. And before you knew it, out of their home sprouts what we sit today, Otter Creek Church. And it came from somebody giving them themselves another time and communally looking at things rather than individually looking at things. Because as an individual, it's easy to put some stipulations and, and boundaries on things. But I found a lot of times when we come together as a community of people, of, of believers, and when you look at what God has done in the past with his believers, there's just about nothing we cannot do when we believe in God and we move in that belief. I mean, when humans, it's, God even said it himself, when humans come together and actually start working together, he said it wasn't nothing they couldn't do that they would imagine. Only problem was when he said that, it was the Tower of Babel. But imagine what that looks like unified in God and in Christ, and we're working together in that. There's nothing we can't do. You know, when God's put his stamp of approval on the movements of his people, nothing in this world can stop it, not even death. You know, I mean, look at the church and what we have today. How it is, there was a lot of bloodshed in the early church. A lot of people died. And you would think, oh man, they killed this person. We just need to stop. You know, that's not what happened. It seemed like the more people they did bad to, the more God kept increasing the number of people. It kept increasing the number of believers. And the faith just kept growing. And you would think to yourself, man, if they just do this to one person, everybody else would be like, I don't want that done to me, and I'll stop. But they didn't. They kept giving of themselves, even the ultimate price of time. Because the whole thing about with Jesus and this microphone is driving me nuts. <laughs> the whole thing about working with Jesus is sacrifice. You know, and, and, and as the church, I think sometimes we lose sight that Jesus is technically not about gaining stuff now. It's about giving it away. <laughs> about giving it up and accepting him. But one thing I've noticed um, when it comes to financial giving or giving of what you choose to dedicate to God, that the more you do, the more he gives you to do with. It's so interesting in that the prosperity of God is a different aspect than what we think of prosperity. You know, and I'm not talking about a health and a wealth gospel. That some preachers preach on Sunday morning TVs, touch the screen, and by this holy rag, I prayed over, and you'll be blessed in all. You know, even Creflo Dollar just recently rebuked everything he said in the 90s and most of the 2000s about what he believed and how he would tithe. He would tell people, if you do this, God will bless that. You know, over years, people have many times asked this man, what about the poor people who give them everything they have, yet they don't live like you? Does that mean that God's not, you know, helping them? And that threw him off. He finally had to come out and repent for the, some of the things he was teaching. Um, and that's kind of re one reason I asked Brian to do this class is that I think understanding how to be a cheerful giver, not just on one day of the week, but how to do that throughout life, that this becomes a part of your life program, your life movement, your life heartbeat, that it's not just about giving in the collection plate at the church, but being the church outside the church and helping those you come in contact with. You know, even to the point like, he makes a distinction in here that I didn't even think about. And he talks about, you know, that 
at Otter Creek, where a church is blessed to be or somewhat of an influence, then we come at this in a different perspective that we must not forget that everybody doesn't sit where we sit and look from our perspective, uh, that there are some churches that can't do what we do the way we do it because they don't have the same resources. And he says, but it's how those churches function that kind of look at what they do. That um, I've seen small churches do great work and some people will call them crazy because they'll take everything they've taken and they'll pour it right back into that community. And then people look at them, well, how are you going to do this or that? And all they're saying is God will provide. You know, and God continues to fuel that. He continues to provide. And that's just something, I mean, think about it. When we talk about giving and not even just giving, what about the asking aspect? God also tells us to seek, not and ask, you know. Sometimes we're afraid to ask. But that's also a part of this as a community. To ask that right question to see if we can get the outcome we're looking for. So, like, what do we need to ask for? Being a community like we are at Otter Creek, what do we need to ask for if we ask anything of God to help move mission? What do you think that would be would look like? I'm gonna take a sip of water up top. <laughs> I, I don't believe in a, pros, a prosperity gospel that's, that's preached a lot. But I will say that in our lives, you can't outgive God. Right. You, you know, you, you make a sacrifice and you think this is a big sacrifice, whether it's time or money or whatever, and somehow, some way, more comes back to you. Mm-hmm. And that's. I mean, that's, that's, been, that's been our lives for a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting to see that. Uh, there have been times, my wife can testify to this, because she takes care of all the books, <laughs> that we, we had a little of something we gave, we would give, even if we didn't know where the next money would come from, and God would deliver. And, 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 and it would be times when people would say, well, y'all shouldn't do this and y'all shouldn't do that. I never let y'all tell me what to do. And we make we come together, we pray on it, and we make our moves, and God would bless that move. And we make it, he'd come back through and he'd bless it, and we'd be able to continue to do what we need to do to give to others and help others, you know. Um, we've always tried to do that. Even like, like at time, we went to this Chinese restaurant, and uh, we got ready to get out of the car. We looked up, and there was this homeless lady sitting to the side. And I've seen this lady in the neighborhood we used to live in quite often because every time I would be around this lady, she would cuss me out for no reason. It, it, was, it was the weirdest thing. I, I'm, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I felt like Paul in Ephesus when that little girl was following him around saying, this is the man of God, this is the man of God. Well, every time this woman's been in my area or my vicinity, if I've been around her, I'll never forget the one night I was in Kroger shopping by myself, and this lady came out of nowhere just talking crazy to me. And I just walked off and left her there. So the next time I seen her again, this happened. So that night we were getting out to go to this restaurant to eat. She's sitting there and said, oh, Lord. My wife said, what? I said, that lady does not like me, and I don't know why. I said, what do you mean? I said, she curses me out every time she sees me. She said, what did you do to her? I said, I didn't do anything to her. I never said anything. She comes to me. I don't go looking for her. 
And when we go, so the lady asked my wife for a dollar, and I'm trying to remember. Was it a 10 or a 5? It was a 5. That's all, we, all the cash she had on it. She handed it the $5 bill. Well, when the lady looked up, Mel reached out and handed it to her. The lady looked up and saw me. And the voice that came out of her at first was a sweet little old lady. Oh, could you help me? I need a dollar. Mel handed it to the 5, and she took it, looked at the 5, but when she looked up and saw me, it changed. I don't want this. Her voice just literally changed, and she ripped up the money and threw it down. I'm like, and I looked at my wife and said, I told you. <laughs> told you. Good thing you didn't give her a 10. Uh, yeah. And we just walked on in the, in the thing, and my wife said, Are you serious? I'm like, Don't worry about that. We did what we were supposed to do. We did what we were supposed to do. Don't worry about that. And after we, after we got in there, the lady got up. And I think she, did she leave? She came inside. Okay. She but came. then she left. Then she left. But I just kept, man, she did it. And she said, which once again, cussed me out. We just walked, we walked in and did what we were going to do. And she went away. And I said, I don't know why she does that. I said, but this is the strangest thing. I said, if I didn't know anybody, I swear there's a demonic presence there. I said, because every time I'm around this lady or in the vicinity that she's close. Like I said, I was in the grocery store and she came around an island and found it. And was following me to the store. And I finally let, you know, I got myself and I left. I didn't give no, you know, and I'm just like, this is interesting. And one night I happened to read that passage about Paul and what he was doing in Ephesus. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. So Paul, he just got tired of this woman talking. He rebuked the demon and she let it left. I said, next time I run to the land, I have to try that. I just got to make sure it's not going to upset the economy of that area, you know, so they won't stone me or try to kill me. But, God has a way of working through us in, in, in so many diverse ways. It, it's so astounding how he does it. Uh, can you think of any ways God has done that in your life and how you've given to people or given to uh, organizations or whatnot? I'm not going to answer that question exactly. Yesterday, yesterday um, William uh, Jenkins invited me to come and some other people to come up to uh, um, a community event they were having, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and kind of toward the end of it, there, there was people. There were people there from um, Lee's Chapel, okay. And they had a big table, and they had they were giving away a lot of backpacks and stuff, and uh, back to school event. And um, somebody said, you know, there were a few children there. A few people came through with children, but most a lot of the people were just adults getting stuff to take back. And someone said to this lady from Lee's Chapel, um, well, these people, you know, how do you know they're going to have kids? What if they're just taking it? Aren't you afraid that they're doing this? And she said, we're not afraid of anything. <laughs> we're doing, we're, try, we're help, trying to help the community, and we're not afraid of, of what people are doing. They're coming in, we're giving them the stuff that they, that they say they need. That's it. Right, you could say you could say if fifty percent is stolen, okay, that's not great. Whatever, whatever stolen means, or doesn't go to where you think. Okay, so what? The other fifty percent did go, right? And and it's not going to the other part that gets doesn't go to the intended kid isn't going to get thrown away. Someone's going to use it, right? So to your point, you get you get to thinking. You know, we we try to do these things, but we get taken advantage of. Well, God said, God said to do it. He didn't say. 
and be careful you don't get taken advantage. He sure of. did. He does. There's nothing wrong with being shrewd, but at the same time, there's so you know if you get taken advantage of, and like you said, so even if they do, it could end up where it needs. So to here be. we got a we'll, we'll, good, good story. We'll jump in. It's kind of this related to that. Um, I don't know. Twelve years ago at the Methodist Church in Atlanta, we were going to the guest preacher was this um, African uh, Methodist minister from Uganda, and he was running an orphanage, right? And so he was doing a little bit of a tour in the southeast, and he ended, we liked him, went on, and uh, ended up sponsoring uh, children. And we've done that for, I don't know, 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. Four or five children at a time, right? And it was a big operation. It turns out um, new, new president of the U.S. arm of this um, was a, had a business background and, and started asking questions about, you know, uh, control and reporting of the money and all those kind of things. And it ended up, there was graft found by this minister in Uganda. And so Wendy said to me, um, long story short here, she said, oh my gosh, that was your first reaction. They've taken all of our money in the last 15 years. And I'm like, no, honey, because we got pictures. Those children went from age 3 to age 12 now, right? And you don't really know that. I mean, it could have been just a uh, Yeah, but, but some of it, some of it. So maybe some of it got stolen, but, 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 but some of it was good put to use, right? But we right? did the right thing in our heart. I mean, yeah, yeah. So we're not, we're, and, and they've lost all their U.S. Um, donors now. Right. So it's, it's, and he's but, written but, a book, and he was like, Everyone was in love with this guy. He was so cool. And I always got the creepy feeling from him. Like whenever I met him, it was kind of like you didn't. He's, do I that did until after you. No, I have told you that. He, I felt like he was a little too. He was very smooth. Like a politician. Smooth, yes, very, very much so. Um, but it's hands of love. If anyone's ever heard of that, the, it's Pastor Elijah. Okay. And he's written books about his background and how. He was poor, and then he started this orphan, and all these like miraculous stories. And I'm like, huh? Was all that lies, or was it? You know, it, it's very it it hurt me. Like, right. Even though it's not, he's not trying to personally hurt me, and it's not just like, oh, I'm mad at him. It's like, how can someone do that? Well, that's part. I think I'm the eldest one here. The been out of pickup. That's part of the reason that Otter Creek does missions the way that they do. Mm -hmm. It was very common 40 years ago for somebody to um, go and start a mission point and they would recruit 20 churches or 40 churches and every year they would come back from wherever they were and they would make this round. And so everybody was giving a little bit but nobody was really particularly supervising or involved or monitoring any of that. Mm -hmm. And there were some situations. Um, we happen to know of one, and Otter Creek wasn't giving this one, but this man was going and he was making his round, and that's all he was doing. He was going back home and living fairly well, making his round again the next year. But churches were giving so little that there was, and so that's when Otter Creek started working with Steve Sherman. Mm -hmm. The idea was we were going to be his sole support, and we were going to be involved. And people went down, and they saw, and 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 we profited from that mm -hmm. because we felt like we had some ownership. And when they were going through difficult times, the the eldership here was very involved in trying to help them sort out what was the best way <coughs> to solve this problem or what was the yeah. next thing that was needed. And so 
you all know what a bias I have about this. And I, I, I think it's easy to say we don't know how the money is going to be spent as an excuse not to give. But I also think that God gave us resources and minds and business sense and that it's prudent that we bring in all of those mm -hmm. as we try to figure out the best way to use resources. Right. I, I grew up, and this, this is way, way back in my memory, but uh, I, I grew up at the Hermitage Church here in, in Nashville, which was a pretty good-sized church at the time, five, six hundred people. Um, this, is, this was in the 70s, because I'm not the oldest one here. Not at all. I'm in the middle somewhere. But I was a little bit embarrassed that our big mission location was Potosi, Missouri. What is that? Potosi, Missouri. It's just a little town. There's a big prison there. That's, okay. that's the big economy in Potosi, Missouri. Oh, wow. It's a big prison. But that was our big mission. And I thought, you know, you hear about all these, these people are going to Africa. They're going to Japan. They're going to all these far-flung areas. Missouri? Really? This little bitty town. But now, as I'm older, I really recognize the wisdom in that mm -hmm. because they knew and they handpicked the leaders that they were planting in that right. location, and they knew that Potosi, Missouri, was very under. There wasn't there wasn't a decent economy there. Mm -hmm. There was a lot, there was a lot of need in that community, and so you know as I as I got older. I'm Smarter than I ever gave him credit for. Right? Smarter than I ever gave him credit for. I was a little. <laughs> See, I, I almost feel the opposite of what you're saying. Yeah. Because um, where my heart lies is the places where is are mostly foreign ministries. Yeah, right. But but I do know the people who are involved. I know people, and I've been I've been to Kenya, and I know the people there. Um, but I, I just feel like there's just so much more opportunity here in the States to get what you need. You know, and there's so many people who are, are more available. And I just feel like, okay, I, I can almost just, I feel sorry for a lot of the people here, but I just think there are people there where if, if I don't give, who's going to give? You know, I just feel like my heart is with those people. So, and, and I also feel if you give, you are going to be taken advantage of. You are. You will. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's like a, it's like a tax. It's a tax. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's people are involved. Yeah, it's a tax. But, but, uh, now, now we, we also get, um, somehow got involved in, in uh, orphanage in Guatemala. And, it's, uh -huh. um, and, and because that's close, we actually went down we there for, va for vacation. Yeah. You could actually have a really enjoyable vacation in Guatemala because there's a city in the volcano. Antigua. Antigua. It's beautiful. And actually, it's not like it's not like going to El Salvador where you're going to kill, yeah. right? Okay. Um, um, can. But anyways, there's an orphanage there, and so we got to meet the kids. I mean, oh yeah, my God. You got to go see them at their home. And in their yeah. home, and yes, and yes. really, really explore. I mean, dirt yeah. floors, the yes. whole bit. Yes, yeah. and I yes. In an ideal world, we would be not giving to somebody that we don't know, that we're going to be taking advantage of, maybe, maybe not. We would be giving exactly what we need. Yes. We know yes. the person yes. and 
Uh -huh. Let's see them. And, and so there is there isn't a way to even have accountability. Right. And, there's, and, and that's what you did when you saw that orphanage. And uh -huh. I think mm -hmm. when we see that or when we experience what they're going to experience, it makes us understand what uh -huh. the needs are better. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to give in ways that use our resources right. for a greater good. Yes. Miss Teresa and then Kalai. Okay, my name is Teresa. Um, I, I guess I want to say uh, flip it and talk as one who has been the recipient of giving mm -hmm. instead of my experience of, of giving. Mm -hmm. um, but I would preface it by saying that what drew me to Randy as I dated him and what has stayed consistent throughout our long marriage so far is these kind and quiet and generous mm -hmm. and he has led our family in that and our children got to see that 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 is it's ask of us my god and they have just a nice dad mm -hmm. who led our family in that and we all you know just makes me love him more um but i will say that i was one who didn't i grew up with not much, and I was a recipient of um, giving, and God saw me, this little girl who needed everything, and he found me, and he laid it on people's hearts here and there along the way, and it built my resilience, and it's what brought me faith. I wasn't in a church home, but because of the love of God, moving in someone's heart, I had the crayons I needed, um, or I had the two books I owned. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an English major, I owned two books until I went to college. Mm. Um, and I'm not asking for like any sympathy, I'm just saying God moving in the hearts of people Amen. to do the right thing. I saw him from little, little, sitting in a church with who knows how they found me to take me there. Mm -hmm. My parents didn't care what part I got in and, and went. That was gone for hours, so that was a gift to them. But that's where I found God, and He never, ever quit finding people to build my faith little by little. Nobody flashy, nobody with a program. People who saw a need, and I... I am just really happy to join the team mm -hmm. of God moving in my heart to to do that. And, um, that's that, that's yeah. a great point on that. I like that. Go ahead, Clyde. Thank you for that. It's Definitely. Really refreshing perspective and something that I can personally relate to. Being in the presence of people who quietly practice generosity, I think it's just such a, a gift and um, something that we can all learn from. Um, I just wanted to, I guess, kind of push back a little bit with the question. The, like, I I think that the way that our Creek Family's mission is awesome and beautiful. I have heard a kind of cultural pushback in recent years about the way that people respond to um, and how we think about short-term missions, mm -hmm. um, especially, and how that 
experience is somewhat less for the people that we are going to go serve and more for maybe the novelty of going to other countries and seeing the poverty and the and, and I've I've experienced that myself. I've been on many short term mission trips um, and I've had many I've gone busy missions that are long term missions and and um, I just wanna kind of maybe I don't really like the idea of the okay, we're gonna go to this other country and help these people that have nothing. For the reality of living here in America, we have the illusion of abundance. Uh -huh. and the reality is there, there, there may be people sitting next to us, and I can, I can raise my hand and say, I was literally starving myself while I was in university at Lipscomb. I was starving myself because I could not pay for tuition because I was working 30 hours a week as a full-time student and the only way I was being prepped was through my job on campus at Starbucks. And they didn't know that and no one knew that because I didn't say that. And I didn't feel like I had anyone to go to at the time. And I'm not saying that to you. I'm just saying that there are people who are like me in that situation. When I was young and I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, I was attending a rich university. There's no way I should have. I had all the appearances that I had enough. And But what was really going on was that I felt alone. I felt like I couldn't ask my family for more help. That's another story. But right. I think that, again, like I, I hear what you're saying. So so what do we do about that? So what can we do about that? I mean, if you're not going to, if, if I look at you and I think, well, you're going, you know, you've got it made. I didn't feel like I could afford you. Know, I couldn't go because I wasn't able to. So what do, what do we do? Well, ultimately what ended up happening was a friend of okay. and her parents that are doctors. Mm -hmm lent me the money to pay for school and to not starve anymore. Mm -hmm. I met my husband who quietly and without shaming me started paying for my meals. He didn't question it. He didn't he just he would just hand me his card and say, Go get yourself some food. This was even eight even before we were actually officially dating or anything. And so I happened to have people that moved into my life. Mm -hmm and show me that generosity but through relation. And I will say there's a moment where I actually went to my church. Um, I was attending Brentwood Hills at the time. Um, I wasn't officially a member there, so I didn't feel like I could ask for anything. Because I wasn't a member, because I was a college student. You know, I was a passerby. How could I ask this church for help, you know, in my situation? attending a rich university, how, you know, I decided I was going to drop out of school. Mm -hmm. And so, but then my friend found out the situation and helped. So I'm saying this and I'm telling my story to say that there's so much need here in ways that we, a lot of this class we've talked about 
you know, homelessness mm -hmm. and helping people with their doors. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a need. Mm -hmm. But I just, I wonder if there are ways that we can find to help those who are not visibly mm -hmm. Thank you for that. And, and, and something I want, I see in that story, in that midst of that situation, God saw you. He saw you, and he became the voice for you through that friend. Because you couldn't vocalize, because there were things inside of you that were being said inside, God heard and he saw, and he answered through your friend through your future husband. Look how beautiful that was. And, I, and even with your story of being that recipient, and I do find it intriguing, Kali, that you mentioned. I, I was in short-term missions with Lipscomb, went over to Romania, and I thought in my own head, I'm going to help these people, but what happened to me was, they helped me more than I could help them ever. And it, it kind of made me jealous of some of the freedoms they had that I thought I had, but I don't. And it was so intriguing to see that. Uh, and then it, it it broke me in a good way uh, to see those people where they were, how they were, and to learn some things from them. Because uh, in this situation, we talk about uh, giving and whatnot. What I learned to be generous came from my grandfather, who worked just about every day of his life from the age of 12 till he passed away, and he would save his money. So much so that when people would come along, if you said you were a Christian or didn't, he was giving. Uh, if, a, if a school came out like Southwestern Christian College, my grandfather wrote checks to them numerous times for crazy amounts of money to go do stuff. Or uh, put a roof on churches that have been through tornadoes. Uh, I never forget the story my mom tells me that one night, how generous he was that a guy came through said he was homeless, said he was a traveler and he needed a place to stay and something to eat that my grandfather brought him in the home they fed him and in the morning he was going to give him money to go ahead and go about his way but when he got up the guy my grandmother never went to sleep, my uncle didn't either granddaddy went on and went to bed when he woke up the next morning my grandmother started fixing breakfast to feed him and the guy started crying and told him I came here for one reason only and I was going to rob and kill all of you but he didn't, he got up and left because of the hospitality that was shown. And what we're seeing here is how God, through all these situations, God saw what you needed. He saw you even when you couldn't utter that need. And that's why I think when it comes to the asking perspective of things, uh, I, I've seen situations where I was too, I won't go, I'm not going to say proud. I, I, sometimes I might say afraid to ask, or I didn't know what to ask or how to ask, that God came through. And he answered for me and did the asking for me in a way I never could understand. Um, but we have come to the end, and I've got to get out of here because i got to go to the stage. Jovette, every, <laughs> every week we do select okay. somebody to help. I think we have yeah. one wife for a month. Yes, the older bees. Older bees. Yeah. Perfect. That's the perfect I just want to say in her story and in my story that yes, God always saw us. God always saw that little girl and that little girl. He always saw me. 
but God's people who prayed to do His will and had hearts to see and pay attention, it took both yes. to make it happen. So in, in speaking for myself, I need to pay attention. I need to know people and meet them, not just walk by.